Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. As always, I'm Tom Ertz Jr., and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Murphy. How's it going today, Mike? The Rangers could pick first overall, Tom. They certainly can. And if we said that before the season, what would your reaction have been? Positive or negative? It would have been positive. I mean, picking second overall and then first overall, I would have probably said, like, wow, a lot of things went wrong or the Rangers got really lucky on lottery day. But I don't know. I'm all for a high pick. I mean, don't get me wrong. It would be great if the Rangers get into the playoffs and they beat Carolina. It would be a lot of fun. I know Dom Lushishin's metric has... I think he favors the Rangers in that matchup. Um, but I think a lot of the people who are picking the Rangers over Carolina, if and when that even happens, is around how great Igor is and how much of an edge the Rangers have in goaltending. But um, it's crazy to think that, you know, it's, you know, before Dom's model, it's it's a one in eight chance, right, Tom? 12.5%. Uh, in in terms of if if they were to if to, they lose yeah. oh yeah if they lose yeah it's a it's a one one in eight twelve and a half percent chance um, basically it's the winner of the losers lottery lottery from from the play in round so every loser from these play in series will have uh, an equal chance of of getting the number one pick um, that lottery would be held before the rest of, of the playoffs get underway. Um, and if for some reason we don't even have play-in and the, the season is canceled, the Rangers would still have a, a one in eight shot um, along with the Canadians, Blackhawks, Coyotes, Wild Jets, Panthers, and Blue Jackets. So if you're the Rangers, if you lose one in eight shot, if you're the Rangers and you don't play, one in eight shot. And if the Rangers somehow win uh, versus Carolina, then so be it. And I mean, obviously, another high pick would be great. Um, yeah, but you can chalk it up to, hey, the kids are getting playoff experience, and that's essentially because essentially this series is a playoff. Like, you know, it's not quote unquote the playoffs because it's the playing, but. You know, it's, this is better odds than whatever, like that that game where you go to carnivals and fairs and amusement parks where you, you put that shitty rubber frog on that little catapult and then you slam that shitty hammer down to launch the frog onto like a lily pad. Mm-hmm. I must have tried that throughout my life maybe a dozen times. I've never done it. So there's actually a lot of those games and... and- probably no one will be surprised to hear this they're rigged but they're of course they're rigged but the front it seems reasonable well yeah like one of the classic ones is um pretty much the uh carnival operator sets up like a bowling pin on a specific spot and they give you it's it's sometimes like i don't want to call it a bowling ball but it's it's a heavy ball and basically you got to throw the rope and um oh yeah i know what you're talking about yeah but i saw like a, it's either on facebook or youtube but basically it's um basically the 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 laws of physics where where your ball starts it would never be able to cross paths with it and what they'll end up doing is they'll sort of like they'll set up the pin like to sort of show you how the game works but it's directly like just off center on the left or just off center on the right and usually there's like some nondescript marker that you wouldn't be able to pick up like okay this is where you don't want to put uh, the pin Um, yeah but yeah Rober has a great YouTube yes. video about that where he breaks it down and it's really fun and it also is like um, but I'm one of those people like I love the claw machine as a kid mm-hmm. even though I knew it was rigged but I was I was better than average at it but I pumped in so many goddamn quarters for beanie babies and all sorts of bullshit um, yeah anyway it is crazy to think that the Rangers might be picking first overall after picking second overall 
And I don't know about you, but the whole way they handled the lottery, it's just a fucking Mickey Mouse joke of a league. Um, I feel heartbroken for Detroit because like, even if you think Detroit was purposely tanking, I don't necessarily think they were. Um, like, I don't think they're going out of their way to be great, but I don't think they were... Part of that is, like, they weren't investing in players knowing that they had to get contracts off the books. Cause, it was calculated. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's sports business. It's not... They're not saying, like, hey, uh, we just don't care about winning. They cared more about rebuilding and stripping down. And, like, the fact that they come away with the fourth pick here... And, like, I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that the Kings are picking second overall, because that's crazy. Yeah, when they moved up, because I was um, I was driving back from the grocery store, um, and I was listening to it on, on Sirius, and um, when it, I heard, like, oh, the Los Angeles Kings have moved up, I'm just like, unfucking believable Like, out of, <laughs> out of the teams, because, still looking at it, so... The order of it from the lottery, it was Buffalo 8th, New Jersey 7th, Anaheim 6th, Ottawa 5th with their um, their own pick. Their own De- pick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Detroit 4th, um, Ottawa, the pick acquired in the Eric Carlson the trade Carlson from San Jose 3rd, LA 2nd, and then um, the mystery team, the, the winner of the loser lottery, Team E, first overall. Um, Go Team would, E. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice for Detroit to get it. Um, I, I wouldn't have minded Ottawa getting it because they are, are another franchise that not actively tanking. Um, they're they're rebuilding. They're, they're trying to do it the right way, and they've made some tough trades, and obviously ownership and, and, and finances have, have played a role in that. Um, but like, yeah, I, if someone had tracked it, there's, I'll, I'll eventually find it. But basically, in the history of the draft lottery, the Red Wings and Canucks have been historically screwed the most. Although, I guess in the case of um, Vancouver, they did get um, Pedersen, I think it was fifth overall, so that worked out for them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do feel bad for Detroit, because even though they, they were not oh, active actively trying to be be good just every game they played against the rangers it was like jimmy howard uh it was andreas athanasiu looked like a fucking generational talent every time he plays the rangers because of his speed Mm -hmm. and i know it's in part because you know the rangers don't particularly have a ton of speed on their blue line um or talent on the blue line for that matter yeah we could we could say that tom if we want to hurt who want to hurt feelings today. But, I want to be honest about it. <laughs> but, like, God, why did Detroit look... They're, like, the other thing is, I'm doing an article about uh, Ranger Killers and looking at active players who and how they performed against the Rangers, and I know Jimmy Howard, like, for whatever reason... He loves MSG. Oh my he God. loves MSG. Not quite as much as Craig Anderson loves MSG, but he loves MSG. Or Ben and Bishop. Yeah, Craig Anderson, um, I don't know, this will be a spoiler if the article isn't up yet, but Craig Anderson, Tom, in 11 starts in the regular season at Madison Square Garden, 950 save percentage. Now, are all, all those with Ottawa, or... Cause I'm trying um... to... Th- they might not all be with Ottawa because he was also in Colorado and he was in oh, good Florida. Point. Where I forget where else he was. Yeah. Um, but even still, like fucking nine fifty. He's a career nine thirteen save percentage goalie, and I know that save percentage is not. The bottom line is there's no great way to evaluate and analyze goalies, but when in doubt, go with the stuff that's on the back of a hockey card. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially if you're talking subjective, fun articles. Yeah, and especially for something like this where it's over a number of different years and a number of different teams and, and factors. Um, and there's no I, easy way to do goals saved above average yeah, for 60 exactly. at Madison Square Garden when you're mm-hmm. the road team for every right. goalie that's active in the league. If, if there was an easy way to do it, I would have done it. I also wanted to do game score, uh, but really, like, ever since Corsica shut down again like there's no 
There's no great public database for game score that I'm aware of, which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I know that, like, for this year, there's, um, I know, like, Dom has something on the the Athletic. I think it's, like, some, it's GSVA. It's, I think it's, like, game score value added or, or, or something. Yeah. But that's only for, for this year. But, um, yeah, back, back to the lottery. It's almost yeah. like, uh, I wouldn't have been, I'm glad the Devils didn't win it. Um, me I mean, too. I would have been fine with Buffalo because Buffalo could use a break now and they now and could again. Use a break for sure. I would have been really fine with Buffalo. I would have been. F- I was like, because Ottawa technically, with the two lottery picks they had, they had a technically what was it like a twenty five percent chance. Um, they had. I I forget because it seemed like it's it's once the the math sort of changes once someone's bumped out and and yeah. all that but they they had a pretty good good shot at it, it landing um you know s- somewhere in the, in the in the top yeah. 3 the good uh, news for Ottawa is they can still come away from this draft picking 3 and 5 with two like studs and it would have been really fun if they got to pick you know Alexei Lafreniere but uh oh well instead he's going to end up on the fucking penguins or something. <laughs> What'll be interesting though because obviously we don't know how the the playing round is going to go. You may have a team on the bubble. So let's just pick um the Minnesota Wild for 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 one that would fit this. They are not one great player away. They're multiple players away oh yeah especially the wild yeah so who's to say or even if or even if there was um maybe say a team that is a little bit further along that they obviously you you want to take top talent available but i would be interested to see if there is a team out there that they get it and say hey ottawa what are you interested in doing for number one overall um because like Quantity over quality, Tom. Well, it's it's not just the um, the ability of, of Lafreniere, but he's um, French Canadian player. Um, you know, Gatineau's just is so close to um, Ottawa, and and that's a, a French Canadian community. So you're you're talking about someone who could be a potential face of the franchise, be very good um, in the community, and, and sort of like a a public face of the team. Um, I I would think it would have to be a a massive deal because I don't I don't think we've ever really seen in in recent years um a, that type of trade, let alone in, like involving the top three picks. Um, but it it would be interesting because I mean the I'm just thinking in terms of worst case scenarios. Um, if Pittsburgh ended up with it, if Chicago ended up with it. Or uh, heaven forbid, the Edmonton Oilers lucked into another number one overall pick. That would just be um, not fun. Another really good player going off to to Edmonton, never to be uh, heard from again. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of like I I don't want him in the division, uh, obviously, unless he's with the Rangers. But I you know, like I'm really high on Byfield too. But, um, like, I don't know. It's just so crazy that this is the way it happened. It's like, it's like there's a bunch of laboratory mice, you know, running things at the NHL sometimes. And it's like, oh, what's going to happen? The most ridiculous thing? Yeah, that's, that's kind of what's happened. But I think they're happy about that because if anything, with nothing else going on, it's generating interest. It's going to create a lot of hours of talk radio it's um it's gonna well at least in canada you know in the u.s you know good luck uh it's going to generate a lot of content and and once uh we know who has number one overall then like it like i was saying before depending on the needs of that team then you get into the situation of okay maybe there's someone who has number one overall they really like someone like byfield do they find a way that they can trade down or, um, you know, maybe they know that the Kings 
really want to take like um, you know Tim Stutzel. Um, so there's there's all of these these layers that otherwise um, you you might not have in, in in a regular year. Although as some people have pointed out, maybe you have the lottery after the play-in round, and then you know, okay, it's not Team E, it's the Carolina Hurricanes, or, oh, it's the Minnesota Wild, or the Vancouver Canucks. So it sort of takes away from that uh, um, sort of like um, gimmick gimmick nature of it. But if you look at it, it's pretty much the same format they followed since they got rid of the um, maximum amount of spots you can move up. It's just the timing of it that was different, but you know, it, it, there's always things that people will complain about, but, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but that sort of brings up, uh, a lot of this has been, um, one hockey action happens, um, as of today, it's still up in the air, even though, uh, training camp is supposed to open, uh, July 10th what the hub cities are going to be. Um, we've been hearing that Vegas was a front runner. Frank Saravelli of TSN is reporting they're no longer a front runner due to the spike in uh, COVID-19 numbers. Um, Bob McKenzie saying that at this point, it looks like Toronto and Edmonton are the most likely candidates. And under this uh, agreement, you would have all of the East teams in Toronto, all of the West teams in Edmonton, where... Previously, when when Vegas was uh, being considered, um, I think it was Larry Brooks had reported that the Rangers would be playing in Vegas. So I think this makes a little bit more sense from a um, broadcasting perspective because we obviously don't know what competition there's going to be with the other leagues. Um, I know baseball is is looking to be back soon. Um, The NBA is, is still you know, going through what the exact timeline is going to be because everything going on in Florida. Um, but I think that makes sense. And I, I really don't care where they're played as long as it's somewhere that is not a hot spot. Um, but I'm still very skeptical of how they're going to have somewhat of a bubble. Yeah. I'm of the opinion it should just be shut down. Um, like we need to know so much more um and it's how crazy is it tom that we're a week and a half away from training camp like yeah it's this is the nhl we really (laughs) doing this everybody like that's what i i keep feeling like it's like all right remember that stupid thing on like uh reddit and facebook where there was a bunch of goofballs that were going to, like, storm Area 51. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like... Use the Naruto run. Yeah. We Shield just get a Naruto run and, and fucking grit our teeth and see if we can get through it. And never mind, you know, the unacceptable probability that someone might die or we don't know the long-term effects of COVID and all these things. But, eh, whatever. We got 26 confirmed cases and let's just keep let's just lower lower our shoulder and just keep trudging along they're hockey players the hockey culture is different we're gonna we're gonna no one's gonna no one's gonna protest we're just gonna do it um i don't know man it's crazy to think that things are moving along it is you know like as as the hub city process has moved along you know like vancouver dropping out and vegas like and like, I would have never, ever thought Toronto was going to be a realistic option. And... Me neither. Just just based on what we saw. But I know, like, the hotspots are moving now and and all of that. But, like... I don't know. Like, look at look at how drastic things are in Florida. Like, they, they loosened things up a little bit. And then, was it 90,000 new cases or something? Like, Jesus. Let's well, yeah, try. they're setting like new records it seems and it's a lot of these states are now tightening the belt again it's like i know like texas is um they're closing bars again um in like i know uh, it depends depending on where you live in the state of new york um there there are different phases so where i happen to live um restaurants have opened with um 
50% capacity inside um, in outdoor dining is is still allowed, but I haven't brought myself to, to go to a restaurant yet because I'm still um, being very cautious. I had, like went shopping in Kohl's um, last week, um, and it was interesting. So, and it was kind of funny. They had um, all of these um, arrows on the ground, so pretty much showing like, okay, if you want to walk through the store, you have to go in this direction and this direction. Pretty much, the middle is like like no man's land, which yeah. is kind of smart because you want to keep people apart. Um, and then when you get online, there's these little circles on the ground of please stand here to keep distancing. Although the person who was standing behind me was kind of oblivious to that. So every chance I could get, I would nudge up a little bit. And then, you know, they, they sort of were like, like following everything that I did. But I just, you know, had my mask on. And, and that's the other thing. It's so funny to me how many people I've seen with masks where they're covering their mouth, but they're not covering, covering their, their nose. nose. Like, I, I don't uh, get it. One out of three people I see, that's their... And I just... Uh, oh, it just... I don't know. I think people are trying to do their best, but it's... Uh, well, yeah, it's it's better. Like, obviously, that's not the thing to do. It's better than having no mask at all. But all of these people who are resisting, this is the reason why you are not going to have people at live sporting events. This is the reason why uh, movie theaters are pushing back on when they're going to open. This is the reason why Broadway is not going to reopen in, in 2020. Um, it, it's... What could have been, okay, we're going to go through three or four months of intense scrutiny where we're, we're looking to really nip this in the bud, but you had people who half-assed it or just, oh, I don't have to worry about this, and it's going to be much longer. Um, and not not to dwell on this too much because I know people listen to this um, to to hear about hockey but this is 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 directly that something's on 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 the player's mind um there's been a number of different people talking about um nhlpa and the nhl and making progress on a potential extension of the cba there have been those who say that they could have a memorandum of understanding um by the end of this week or or beginning of next week um but i'm I think I think I shared this with you. Um, I think Kevin shared it in our um, our our banter slack. Um, Eric Angles of Sportsnet had a very interesting thread um, in which he he had talked with players. He had um, you know shared some screenshots, um, obviously with you know the information cropped out. Um, but basically, seventy five percent of players they don't want to return, um, and while they realize that. There are financial implications associated with that. They're more concerned about getting sick or injured in this um, condensed schedule. Um, they've said that calls with the NHLPA have been a joke and revolved around the financial situation. Um, but th- this text that I'm going to read it, it pretty much sums up a lot of a lot of different things that we we've talked about regarding hockey um, and hockey culture. Um, Everyone's going to play. No one is going to opt out. Playoff bonuses will be higher than ever before. Free money if we play. Um, Hockey's a different culture than other sports. No one is opting out. That I mean, I'm not surprised because this is, again, you know, you have uh, a broken foot. You're suiting up for the playoffs. Um, you get your bell rung in the first period. You're staying in the game. Not smart. Hockey, where people don't practice self-preservation as much as other sports. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much to... There's just so much to take away from all that. Especially, like, the idea of, like, you know, hockey players. It's a different culture here. But then again, you know, we're hearing, like, yeah, a lot of players are really uncomfortable with it. And... They should be. I think a lot of fans are uncomfortable with it. I know, um, you know, women's professional soccer has come back 
but I also know like you know one of the teams had to withdraw. Uh, they couldn't compete in the MWSL Cup Challenge because like there are too many players. I think it was Orlando who. Yep, the Orlando Pride. And like I love like oh this is such a great story for women's sports. Uh, they get to have the spotlight and all that, but like at the same time, I'm like, it just it it doesn't feel like we're ready. It's it's a lot different than something like golf, right? Or you know, even a sport like baseball, where mm-hmm. you know you don't necessarily have to be right next to each other, but like there's physical contact, like the. But even baseball would be awful because of, like, the dugouts and locker room situation. Like, team sports is so hard for something like this. And the fact that we're 10 days away, Tom, from from training camp, it honestly, like, it boggles my mind that that's where people think we are and where we think it's responsible to be. I don't think we're there. And it's a crazy... I understand, like, oh, we really, we really, the NHL kind of, they kind of set their course when they said, like, we're going to finish this season no matter how late we have to start next season. I remember Gary Bettman, like, that was the language he used. Like, we'll start as late as we goddamn need to. We'll start in January, whatever. But it just, it just feels so irresponsible to rush into this. Yeah. And this being a, um, a Rangers podcast, um, I think it's it's a good sort of segue, basically, in, into what um, Artemi Panarin had to say um, regarding all of this. And he posted a statement, um, and I, I put up a story on banter, and I put it up as posted a statement because there there have been some people who are, are questioning if it's all his words or not. Um, I would say, if, if you're asking me personally. I would say the majority of it is his. Maybe it's something that he had said in Russian and some things were were changed in translation because he's someone who has been very vocal in the past, um, especially when it comes to matters of, of his home country and you know Vladimir Putin and that nature. So he's someone who who is rather eloquent in, in, in his thoughts and his mindset. So... I can picture him him saying this, but um, with that said, um, Panarin's post said, I'm very much looking forward to the playoffs with the Rangers. I have concerns not only about the health of players and their families, but also about the long-term prosperity of the NHL. For nearly two decades, the players have protected the owner's income with escrow, including throughout this pandemic crisis, even as owner's equity continues to grow exponentially. It is time to fix the escrow. We as players cannot report to camp to resume play without already having an agreement in place. We're all in this together. Also, I know the process for selection of the hub cities is ongoing. I sincerely wish that my teammates and I could train and play games and MSG and bring employment and economic opportunity safely back to New York City for Rangers fans and all New Yorkers. Um, I'm not surprised what he said based on what someone like him could potentially face economically. Um, he just signed a massive deal. Um, you know, it's going to be a year to the day uh, when when this posts. Um, but, like, escrow is something that they talk about a lot. But unless they sort of offer some sort of solution in how hockey-related revenue is defined because it's it's my understanding that expansion money is not factored into hockey rated revenue that's something that's split and distributed to the um would be the 31 teams in the league then you have stuff like the tv deal that it's inflating the value of the league but it's not so much a benefit to the players you have like ticket sales and merchandise and, and licensing and all of these other things as hockey-related revenue. Um, and, and part of the reason is because the salary caps are so high where the league is forecasting like, okay, um, we're, we're setting the salary cap 
and we're setting the midpoint and, and the minimum as, as a forecast of what the league revenue is going to be. And then in those, those situations where it falls short, that's where, where the escrow is kicking in, where it's, it's that money taken to make sure that this share is 50-50. Um, I mean, I know going back, it was once where the players had a 57% share, and then they, as things gone on, that, that got to 50-50, where the solution would be, in my mind, is if you have, even if it's a situation where the players are not getting 50%, let's just say for the sake of, okay, they're giving a concession, they take 49%, the owners take 51%, but you have more broadly defined hockey-related revenue, or you have something like delinking from um, the salary cap um, because I, I get why they're upset and but it's it's basically something that they agree to and there are reasons for it and that's why like there are times where they have um, an escalator which can um, increase the salary cap, which it's when there are certain uh, ranking members who are um, coming up on unrestricted free agency. They want a higher cap ceiling so that they can get a bigger contract, but that then makes a higher escrow payment. So, um, like, I understand this is a sports podcast, it's not an ep- economic podcast. Uh, Shana has written about this for Hockey Graphs, outlining everything, outlining what they pay in taxes, what they pay in jock taxes and agent fees and all that, um, which I, I understand is also his point of, of wanting a new agreement. But if I were the players, I would not take a um, – I would not just extend for the sake of extending because – they're at a point where they can have a lot of leverage. Um, like, I don't know how, how, how big of a baseball fan you are, Mike, but, like, obviously the MLB Players Association, they were very vocal in, in their interactions with, with MLB, and they were able to um, really get some public interest on their side because their collective bargaining agreement is going to come up soon. So um, I, I'd be interested in, in, in your thoughts, especially because I, I've just sort of been rambling for the last few minutes and, and that's rather rude of me. No, no. Like I was honestly, I was listening because I have like, I, I actually reread uh, the Shana's piece. It's a, there's a part one and a part two. So it's pieces that she wrote for hockey graphs just because I'm one of those people where, you know, I'm, I'm like I'm a writer, writer, artsy kid, uh, like getting into things like the the nuances of economics and stuff. Like I have to keep reading to remind myself of what escrow is and how it works specifically for the sports world. And like it should come as no surprise to anyone. I'm sure you're the same way, Tom, where it's like, yeah, I want the players to get as much as they can. I want, you know, agreements in the CBA to be skewed in the player's favor but it's not going to happen that way. And I know, you know, they can make a lot of, you know, from what I understand, like there's a lot of ground to be gained by fighting for, for more things to fall under that, that broad term of hockey related revenue um, and finding ways to make sure players get more of what their salary should be. Um, You know, whatever percentage of it, I think it's like 12 paychecks or something like that that like that that gets into escrow but i don't know this is such a important thing like it's one of those things where it feels like we have so much on the stove right now for hockey coming back and then like this is that giant pot that it's like oh yeah this is also here and it's a gigantic deal and it like this relates so much to what happens to the rangers and other teams and on top of that, there's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be an expansion draft coming, Tom. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, there's just how much shit can we fit on top of the stove here? Like, it's it's so much to keep spinning. And I know, like, I think I was, was watching on uh, on TSN, Mike Johnson talking about, like, you know, as a player, he went through and I really do like uh, uh, Mike Johnson, but like he was talking about. As a player, he went through the lockout, and he knows, like, 
players are not going to want to go through that again. Like, it's very hard on players to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Packing our bags, we're going home. And it becomes a question of how much, like, like you said, like the players kind of have a position of strength here, or they can operate from, you know, a position of strength. Because really, the players could say, hey, we're not going to come back. But the other thing is, we're 10 days away from training camp. And, you know, we already had, you know, phase two with, with players coming back and, uh, you know, skating in small groups. I know one of the reported groups for the Rangers, I think it's, it was the Mew and Kreider, Shesterkin, Adam Fox, uh, Brennan Smith are among the guys who have been skating at the uh, practice facility. And thinking, what is it, Greenberg? I always forget. Um, yes, it's in Greenberg. Yeah. And like, um, you know, like it's slowly, it feels like the wheels are in motion and players are, it feels like what Panarin was trying to achieve is, and I know like Ryan Kessler and some other players, you know, amplified what Panarin said and said like, yeah, this is a big deal. And we don't want people to just forget about this, but it's such a, it's so hard to take that into consideration with everything else going on. And I would really hope that, you know, the expansion bid puts more money into the pool that, that helps, that maybe helps offset some of this, the revenue that that's going to be lost because of this. But I doubt it's going to make much of a a scratch because this is, I mean, in addition to impacting this season, this, this will impact the next half of a decade potentially in terms of what happens with the cap and Mm -hmm. the trend it was on and that of course is it would be relevant to the rangers at any point but it's it's really interesting for the rangers right now because of uh where they are in terms of major major investments in players recently and having to make decisions on certain players and looking at like oh the end of Henrik Lundqvist and and all these things and you know can the Rangers consider going into free agency again and and going after a big fish or will what the salary cap looks like just mean they're two million or 500k or whoever the hell whatever the hell the number is they're that far away from being able to do that safely and it's uh it's a lot it's a crazy amount of shit to be on the stove but I mean like I said I you know I prefaced my little rant by saying I really was nodding my head along and I didn't have much to add to your rant but it is just really what I'm saying is like how extraordinary that all this is going on and it it feels like uh, it feels problematic to overlook what players are asking for and and why they have problem with escrow as it is but like escrow is not going to go away it just it's the percentages that need to be arguably it would be in my opinion i want escrow to be more in players favor i think that is something that should happen sooner rather than later but i don't see why owners would want to do that yeah i mean the last thing that i I I would want to say on this is that i understand that some sort of agreement has to be made and i think the way that they can do that is they they can look at and, and it's hard because we obviously don't know what's going to go on with, with COVID and if this is going to prevent fans from being in the stands um, when the following season gets underway. But if I'm the NHLPA, what I know about the league, um, I really just don't want to give them too much and then it, it's a situation where they they end up getting getting screwed over and because it it, it just seems that the that the players they they don't really value um, the leverage that they have and they're the ones that they're they're assuming the risk they're they're playing the games they're at least in in this current environment they're uprooting themselves they're putting themselves in in a vulnerable situation um, and we we don't know how serious the NHL is is going to um, to take this um, but we'll see um, 
before we take a break is is there anything else you you wanted to to say on this mike uh no i mean it's what this is one of those things we could talk about you know in perpetuity we could just talk about it forever but i feel like we got a good kind of general like amuse-bouche of of how big of a deal this is in terms of everything else that's going on so let's hear from our uh, our lovely sponsors tab Just like that, we're we're back from the break. Um, before we we go on to our, our last topic, which was which is tightly linked to the whole concept of the NHL potentially extending the collective bargaining agreement and all of that. Um, just sort of two little housekeeping notes. Um, the first of which being um, Nils Lundqvist has signed an extension to remain um, in Lilia, um for one more. A year um, kind of makes sense to me, given everything going on, the uncertainty if we will have AHL hockey. Um, he stays in his environment. He stays at home. He it's another year that the Rangers don't have to um, try and force him into his spot. And who knows? Maybe by that point, we might have some more uh, idea of, of what what's going to be um on the right side long term um were you surprised that he's he's staying my 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 gut reaction was like oh man but then i was like you know what this is fine um i'm i'm not surprised given like you know if he has the the option which he clearly does like yeah this is good uh this is like of all the leagues for him to develop in like the shl is a really good league uh you know, you could even make a case that you'd almost prefer him to develop in the SHL over the AHL potentially, uh, especially based on what the situation is in Hartford right now, which is going through so much transition. Which is interesting to me because I haven't seen a lot of people raise that point or talk about that. Maybe it's something I should write about. Um, but I think this is a good thing for Nils Lundqvist, um, and I think it is. It speaks to how, you know, this bigger issue of, you know, players wanting to be comfortable. Like, we, we know, like, you know, with uh, part of the reason Leah Sanderson didn't necessarily want to come back is like, yeah, why would he right now, right? And mm-hmm. a similar thing makes plenty of sense for, for Nils Lundqvist. And, you know, his stock has just been on the rise, so it's all good. And if he continues to develop in Lulia, which is a good team and a good program there, so I like it. I hope he's in New York the year after his deal, but I think he does have an NHL out clause, or, or I forget. The other bit of news, which is it's sort of an update of something we've talked about before. Um, Lindy Ruff and the New Jersey Devils, it's looking like it's it's something that really could happen with the major news of it being that he's someone, uh, Elliot Friedman talked about this in 31 Thoughts, how he feels he has a legit shot at the job, and even though there are um, external GM candidates who want to have some input, it, it's the understanding is Ruff is someone who is going to be in the picture no matter what. And that, to me, would say that the Devils are likely to just um, allow their their um, interim GM slash uh, assistant general manager Tom Fitzgerald. Um, just take that job and then if if that's the case then i would think that with with ruff's name being out there that much he'd have a real shot but um yeah so i would be really cool if it happens um he would get another chance at being a head coach which is something that he's wanted i know at this point last year he had uh did like an interview um 
with uh, I think it was a Buffalo TV station about talking how he has the the fire and passion to coach and how he wants to still be a head coach one day. Um, so, if you're someone who's not a fan of Lindy Ruff, this is potentially good news for you. Yeah, like when we talked about this last week, I really didn't think a week from then we'd be talking about it like, oh yeah, there's even more smoke here than we thought there was. But that's mm-hmm. really what the case appears to be from what Friedman and others have, have reported, but especially Friedman. Like, uh, it would, not only would it be good, like I said last week, not only would it be potentially be good for the Rangers to do some sort of strategic overhaul of what their defense looks like, but hey... Might as well root for the human being that is Lindy Ruff, even though there is a clear, clear problem in the NHL. Uh, more than any other sport, I, I know, uh, was reported during um, an anti-racist Q&A webinar that I uh, attended last night. The NHL has, like, the greatest recycled uh, coaches. Like, more head coaches get second and third chances in the NHL than any other league. And this would just be one more giant example of that. Yep, there the coaching—it's like a washing machine. You go in the the rinse cycle, <laughs> go into the dryer, yeah. and then you're 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 back out on. Uh, you in, go in into like a mini exile of like, oh yeah, he's going to be an associate head coach or an assistant coach, you know, with for one of his friends for a couple of years. And then another team is going to get tired of a different coach. They're going to be like. And you say, what the hell is, you know, what the hell is Lindy Ruff doing? Uh, you know, what the hell is Jack Capuano doing? And we just, we just rinse and repeat and it just goes on and on and on and on. Oh, I was just thinking about this before we actually, one other bit of um, housekeeping news. Um, we ended last week's show um, regarding um, the, the Hall of Fame, but it was, we had finished recording right before um, oh, that's right. it was announced. What do you uh what did you think about the um the people who got in? Um Jerome well, Ginla, Hosa. I, ca- I kinda called Kim St. Pierre, so I feel good about that. Um I know I mentioned her as one of the women who could get in. Um although like I think a year ago for sporting news I wrote a list and I didn't even have her as an honorable mention. And it's one of those things where after it I put it into my editor for publishing, I was like, Ah, I should've uh, oh, and then I was like, you know what? It's not going to matter. And then, of course, a year later, she's, she gets in. But um, she's the first uh, female goalie in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Tom. Um, Iggy's, cool. well des- Iggy's well-deserved. Um, Hosa is well-deserved, but I thought he could have waited. I, I, I really, really fucking thought it was time for McGillney. Like, and the same Seriously. Like, the, the points you raised last week with Theo Fleury... I was like, yeah, Tom talked me into it. Like, it's also time for Theo Fleury. It wasn't time for Kevin Lowe. I don't... Seriously, like... Uh, he, he won the cup with the Rangers in 94. I know all of that. And I also know that he played for the Oilers. Um, he wasn't... He wasn't the best defenseman on those Oilers teams. Like, I don't know, man. It's... I know... And I also know he has the you know, the longevity thing going for him, but, um, and I also know it shouldn't influence, but I also know he has a post-playing career of, of significance as well as a front office executive, but like, God damn, I was, I was really surprised by Kevin Lowe, but then I also was like, yeah, well, it must be nice when, you know, you're very well known and you have all the connections and your friends can get you into things like the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yep, and then uh, Doug Wilson too gets in. Who I'm, I think I'm okay with that. We need a a, a female builder. Um, we need. It's long past time that that's happened. It would also be great if we had a women's hockey player not from the U.S. or Canada because we still don't have one of those. Um, and also, Tom, I don't know if you know this, but. There's a cap. Uh, it's four male players every year and two female players is the cap. That's Which is stupid. That's the, that's the bylaw they have, which is absolutely stupid. Guess how many times they've filled that cap of two players a year for the women. Well, once. That was um, was Angela Ruggiero and... Um, 
I'm trying to think what the other one was. Was it? Um, I think it was Jane, Angela James and Cami Granado the very first year. Okay. And then Angela Ruggiero was one of the first women after them to get in. But like, God damn it. Why do you have that rule? Why don't... And uh, I don't know. I went on a pseudo rant about it last week, so I won't go into one again. But uh, I really don't understand Kevin Lowe getting in. Like, honestly, I would... I would put Gonchar in before Kevin Lowe. Yeah. I would... I right? would I Am would, I crazy I to agree. say that? No. You're, you're, you're fair to, uh, to say that. Well, maybe I'm not being like. What did Kevin Lowe do for for? I'm assuming Canada had to. He had to be playing for Canada because I know a big part of hockey Hall of Fame. Because I know like there's some. I was reading on Reddit like two weeks ago or something. Like people were like, "Is Henrik Lundqvist really a guarantee to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame?" And I was ready to like pick up my laptop and throw it like a fucking frisbee. <laughs> um, but then. You know, uh, someone pointed out, like, of course he is. Think of what he's done with Sweden and how important it is to do what you do, you know, outside of all that. But, like, Tom, Kevin, though, won one world champ. He didn't, he won a bronze medal with Canada in one world championship. He wasn't good enough for the Canadian national team. Tom! It was more about who we knew on the committee. Like no shit, all, his, his team staff history is longer than his fucking NHL career history on Elite Prospects. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been a coach or executive since ninety eight ninety nine now. Oh Tom, I don't like it, Tom. How do you not have McGillney in there? Yeah, that one bothered me. His place Especially, in history alone. It's crazy. Yeah, plus he was a really fucking awesome player. Maybe that's what I I'll write for banter. I'll just I'll just take a big horrible dump on Kevin Lowe for no reason. <laughs> just Kevin Lowe didn't deserve a goddamn thing. I know he was playing with Edmonton and he won a bunch of cups, then he won a, six Stanley Cups. That's why That's why. Apparently, he was the adult in the room. I believe that's what Mark Messier said. Like, he was the adult in the room for those Oilers teams, which um, so he was a babysitter, probably no I guess. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I'm really la- annoyed right now. I'm sorry. I've just become a w- worthless podcast co-host. No, you're not. I was like, uh, he better have won a cup of gold medals. He was on one world championship team, and he won the bronze. I don't care how many fucking cups he won. Oh, the only thing I'll say in his his, his defense Fuck is I, I think at that point it was still amateur players for um, um, Olympics. Although I guess what was the first professionals? I think it was what um, it was in yeah, that's um, a good point. ninety eight in Nagano. Is that right? Oh, I believe so. I don't know how my brain failed to remember that. I'm just a dope it, then. Canada. I, I believe they, um, I think they had bronze or something and they didn't like use Gretzky in the shootout or something. I don't remember exactly. It was, um, I would have been, oh, I, I would have been was, five years old. Right after, point. why did I think it was right after Miracle? Um, let's see. No, you're right. Yeah, everyone, I'm stupid. I admit it. No, you're not stupid. You're, you're Shut just your mouth misremembering. Now. Um, so last topic, um, Nothing we talked a lot of, t- talked about, about finances and the situation appears that Marnie. it's going to be a flat cap. Um, there's not going to be yeah. amnesty buyouts. And as of yeah, right now, Brooksy, they're probably yeah. so the Rangers have 14.39 or so $14,391,867 to spend to fill out the roster. And all of their RFAs are arbitration eligible. Ryan Strom, Tony D'Angelo, Brendan Lemieux, uh, Alex Gorgiev, Phil G. Giuseppe. Um, and then UFAs, uh, Jesper Foss, Michael Haley, Matt Bolesky. Um And then you have 
players in the final years of their deal. Mark Stahl, $5.7 million. Brennan Smith, $4.35 million. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, $8.5 million. Um, I think the fact that there's no amnesty buyouts, it saves Hank because I don't yeah. think the Rangers can afford to swallow another buyout like that and extend it um, for a year. And I don't know if they can trade him, um, especially... He's so hard to trade. Yeah, so their only saving grace from that would be is if he has this final run when the season resumes and he it's, it's sort of his last kick at the can and then he says, you know what, um, my time in this league, I, I think it's going to come to an end and I'm going to go to Sweden to have a one year with Joel and I'm going to ride off into the sunset and I'm going to... Uh, put the franchise in a good spot. Um, I don't know if he would do that because I can't, I, I would not walk away from $8.5 million. Um, so that certainly, um, would be tough, but if anything, I, I think that they're most likely going to have to say goodbye to Fost. Although I kind of thought that was something already, but they, they may have to yeah. trade a lot of their RFAs. Like, I don't see how you can keep them all. Um, so the thing about the way that the cap being flat, um, you look at someone like D'Angelo who, it's I guess this sort of relates to what we were talking before with, with Nils Lundqvist, how he was someone we thought was going to come over, and the big comeuppance about that was you have Truba, Fox, and D'Angelo. And... Given that the cap's going to be flat and you have these teams that are not going to be able to, to do a whole lot, um, but there will be some teams that do have financial flexibility, you might be able to offer sheet D'Angelo for not a lot of money. Um, just finding it in a range where the Rangers are unable to, to match or even further to that point, just I'm go if I'm uh, an opposing general manager... I'm going to. Uh, I'm thinking about offer sheeting Tony D'Angelo. I know that this is about what you can't match. Let's let's work out a trade. Um, I mean, I I could see them trying to trade Lemieux because he still has some value in terms of he's a you know tough player and, and grit and, and all that. Uh, Di Giuseppe, I don't think is going to be tough, and then obviously Gorgiev, but it, it, that complicates things because if you can't move Hank and if Hank decides he's going to stay then you're in a bind um, I don't know how they're going to work their way out of this and uh, I'm just thinking that we're going to see a lot of creative maneuvering if uh, I'm Jeff Gorton yeah I would imagine they're going to have to be flexible and I think someone like D'Angelo is super interesting because I mean, notwithstanding all of the headaches attached to him for what he does and says and how he acts off the ice, um, especially on social media, uh, where he's just been a lightning rod for just polarizing the Rangers fan base. Um, but, like, it's it's interesting with, you know, there's Strom, there's Brennan Lemieux, uh, there's Di Giuseppe, there's D'Angelo, and... Of course, with Georgiev, like you have to, you have to navigate those RFAs really carefully. And I think, I think the biggest headache has to be D'Angelo, right? Like mm-hmm. he rep- he represents the hardest decision to make. But I feel like maybe the worst mistake the Rangers could make is is investing too much with term into Ryan Strom. Um, oh yeah, as you know, we've talked about it. Ad nauseum, uh, you and I over, you know, the months, especially before COVID and everything, but like, you know, I'm not opposed to Ryan Strom as the placeholder, placeholder center. I'm opposed to Ryan Strom as the guy who gets a five-year deal or a four-year deal to be with the Rangers, like a one or two-year deal, depending on, you know, the cap hit, I can stomach it, but because of what's happened with the, the flat cat moving forward. Like, uh, 
you really can't fumble this one. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's the price you pay when you spend $20 million to bring in and cap to bring in Truba and Panarin. Like, you know, it was like, remember, before the Rangers went hard after Panarin and, you know, they they bought out Shattenkirk, it seemed like we were looking down the road at like, they're going to have plenty of cap space, right, Tom? Someday? And then it's like, oh, where did it go? And now we're all kind of counting like, oh, yeah, but when, when Hank's contract comes off the books, but like, you know, the Rangers chose to invest long-term in Chris Kreider. And, you know, that's not something that everyone really foresaw. And him at $6.5 million, like, you can only really invest in so many of your players for long-term. And, uh, you know, you don't want to end up making mistakes that we've seen other teams make, like Detroit, for example. But um, this is, like, the next two seasons are huge. And we're one of the major reasons why it's huge Mika's a Benjad's under contract for only two more years after this year, Tom. Mm-hmm. And then you have guys who like Bucinevich will need another deal. Heedle yeah. will be off his ELC. So that money goes away pretty quickly. And if the cap could be flat another year, uh yeah, Rangers gonna have to get creative. You have to get creative and also you have to make sure you don't misfire with the contracts you hand out because like this I don't expect the Rangers to go from like oh you know they have a 12.5% chance of picking first overall to winning the cup next year but like the Rangers need to start taking significant strides towards being a more competitive team over the next two years and I mean it would be hard to think that they they wouldn't want to keep Zabinajad even if you know they'll end up paying you know for past production um, you know, paying him for what he's done rather than what he can do mm-hmm. uh, with with his next contract. But like, you think Mika Zibanejad is going to be cheap at this rate? Nope. He's five point three five. He's one of the biggest bargains in the league. Like, I think the the best is McKinnon by a mile. But like, oh yeah, come on. Like, this is a bigger obstacle than most people seem to think it is. Um, and that's why, like, to me, like it goes without saying that yes. Yes, is a luxury that you can't afford. Um, and, you know, it's things... Things look a lot better when you start factoring in Stahl, Smith, and Hank coming off. But don't forget, like, by the time the Rangers, you know, have to make decisions about what they're going to do with Zibanejad, like, there are guys that need contracts and like, do you want to give Filipino a, just a, you know, a one or two year deal, a bridge deal, or do you want to try and give him a longer term deal? Do you want to do, what do you want to do with Igor Shesterkin, who is an RFA in two years? I mean, you know, af- after next season, like, holy hell, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot of moving parts. Then of course there's the whole lottery. But yeah, um, it's a fascinating thing to think about. But it is it is important for Jeff Gordon to be stewing this over right now. Like he has to make he has to make some tough decisions about the RFAs, like you said. And um, it's weird to think that the Rangers are as potentially cap crunched as they seem, but like if Capo Caco turns into the player that he has the potential to be, he's another guy who could eat up a shit ton of cap space. And like, keep in mind that would be everything going in the right direction, but you know, Capo Caco could be a franchise forward and being paid as such at the end of his ELC. So you have to take all these things into consideration as we move forward. Yep, it'll certainly be interesting to see um, how they uh, they wiggle out of it, and uh, as we get more information, we'll 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 see sort of um, we'll be able to sort of map out uh, sort of the decisions that they'll have to make. Um, this show ran kind of long, um, so I think what we'll do is um, we have we had a fun thing that we were gonna do. Um, it, it's it's I won't give any way details, but. 
well, for sure, we're going to make it a, a main part of next week's show because I would assume that at by this point next week, the only thing that we would really um, have to talk about is if they d- agreed on the hub cities and all of that nonsense. Um, so it should be a bit of a lighter show. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, as always, we appreciate your support. And a uh, special shout-out to our, our patrons. Uh, a Six-Foot Gap, Adam Nahoek, Ian Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, uh, Andre Chicagoff, Andy White, Andy Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, David L. Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Igor Zavlosky, James Dangle, Jimmy Bushold, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanek, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nick Antropov, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landl, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bielbeck, Stink Fleeman, Tallguy Rob, The Eric Carlson, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you again to all our, our uh, Patreon subscribers. Uh, we, we really appreciate uh, your support of the podcast. And uh, everyone listening, uh, thank you for uh, supporting the podcast, listening to us, and we will be uh, back next week. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.